The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. I'd like you to take your Bibles with me, turn to John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, if you'd raise your hand, the ushers will be happy to loan you a copy of, the, of God's Word. And we're going to read the first four verses. So once you've found that, I'd ask you to stand with me for just, just a moment as we read from this section of Scripture. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us today. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be desirous to hear your truth. And that, Lord, we would be dedicated to glorifying you in our everyday life. Thank you, Lord, for all that are here. Bless our fellowship together. Bless our time around your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you realize today that we're on a journey? You realize that, that today we're on a journey? This life is not our final home. It's not our resting place. We're on a journey. I've heard the admonition, enjoy the journey. Anybody ever hear that? Enjoy the journey. But sometimes the journey can be pretty rough. After September 11, 2001, my wife would no longer fly in a plane. I've just about almost got her talked into flying again. But she would not get in a plane after that day. And we would go home to visit family in Louisiana every summer. Well, it's a four and a half hour flight. If you get a nonstop ticket, it's a 42 and a half hour drive. And she was determined not to fly. One of my daughters was out of, out of school. The other was graduating that summer, and my son was still in school. So we decided, okay, we're going to drive. And we had a Ford Taurus, a white Ford Taurus. It was a nice car. And I, I thought it would be big enough to transport us all there and back. By two weeks before we left, we were taking my son to a doctor's visit in San Francisco. And I made a wrong turn, and we ended up going up a very steep hill. And halfway up that very steep hill, my car decided it had had all it wanted to take. So we're in trouble. My son and I spent the day in San Francisco waiting for Mr. Log. How many, how many of you remember Dave Log? God bless Dave Log. He's, he's with the Lord now. But 
I called him and he sent a tow truck to pick up the car, but the tow truck driver could only take one person, so I let him take my wife. My son and I stayed in, in, the, in the city on the streets. He said, Dad, is this the way homeless people live? I said, yeah, I think it is. <laughs> but to make that, to get away from that part of the story, the, the engine was gone. That was it. The car was kaput. It wasn't worth putting enough, a lot of money into. So Dave told me, Dave said, Dalton, I've got a car I'll let you use. Take your trip. It was a Chevy, Chevy Corsica. How many of you know what the Corsicas were? Dave, uh, Tom knows, yeah. Chevy Corsica is not, it, 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 it's not for five people and luggage and a dog to go on a 42 and a half hour trip. But we did. We crammed into that little car, and we embarked. Now, we weren't stopping. There was going to be no stopping on this trip. I drove, my wife drove, and one of my daughters drove. We decided between the three of us, we could handle it. So we started driving. And I drove for about the first 10 hours or so. And then I let my wife take over. She drove for about two hours. And my daughter drove for about an hour, and then it was back to me. <laughs> I, and, and, and listen, you don't sleep in the back seat of a Chevy Corsica with two other people there. You don't get to sleep. In fact, they made me sit in the middle, and there's a nice hump there. And the, the, the vinyl seats covered that hump, but there's no padding there. And that, that, that thing gets hot. And you get very sore. That was one of the most miserable trips I've ever taken in my life. It was a horrible trip. The journey can be rough. Now, Jesus gives us a great promise here in John chapter 14. He's, look at it again. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. This promise given by Jesus affirms our hope this morning. It makes, it makes certain our hope, for we know that the Lord never lies and that he never breaks a promise. The promise that he has gone to prepare a place for us and that he will come again to bring us home to heaven where we will be with him forever. That's a great promise. That's a promise that gives me hope and strength every day to continue living my life on this wicked and vile earth. But this promise, this promise does not alleviate the troubles associated with the journey. I hope you understand that. There will be trials. There will be tribulations. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Let's all go to Matthew chapter 10. Now, we're going to turn to a lot of scriptures, so if we get out of here late today, it's your fault. You're not turning fast enough. It also depends on how fast you listen. So you need to make sure you're listening real fast, okay? Matthew chapter 10, go to verse 16. We read here, Behold, I send you forth as sheep into the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men. For they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. 
For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So this journey is not an easy one, as Jesus just described in these scriptures. But in this case, the destination is worth the troubles of the journey. As miserable as that trip was, as, hor- as miserable as it was, when I got to the, when I pulled in that driveway at my mother's house, my mother and father, we forgot about the journey. We walked in the house, she had a hot cup of coffee waiting for me, and she had cooked some food, and we sat at the table and we laughed and we hugged and we rejoiced and we we shared stories and we talked and we forgot all about the journey. The kids were there at the table and their grandparents were, were fussing over them and making them welcome and happy. We forgot about the journey. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, Paul writes, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So the cost of the journey is worth every metaphorical penny. But there is a cost. This journey is not free of charge. Turn with me to Luke now. Let's go to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Now, I cheated. I, I marked all these things. I've got these little, you see, I've got these little pointers. See, you should have done the same thing, by the way. Luke chapter 14. And go to verse 25, if you would. And there went a great multitudes, and there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish, uh, all that beheld it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, let me clarify real quick. Jesus didn't instruct us here to hate our father and mother and hate our children. That word that's used there uh, is, is descriptive of having less affection for those than we do for him. It, it sets the gravity of the matter. I should love no one and nothing as much as I love the Lord. And the, the vast difference should be such that it could even be misconfused mis, uh, for hatred. But we don't hate our parents, okay? Well, I don't hate my children. Uh, I've got moments where I, I'd, I'd rather they were tabled kids, but... Uh, it's okay. The journey comes at a great cost, and pay this cost we must. 
Now, with the time that I have this morning, I want to remind us of a few of the costs we incur along this journey. So bear with me for a little while today. We reach our destination, number one, through the purging of sin. Through the purging of sin. Titus chapter 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward men, appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Do you remember this process as you sit here this morning? The process of the purging of the sin in our lives as the Holy Spirit removes things from us that we ought not be involved in. When we were under the dominion of sin and its judgment, troubles were a, a curse. And troubles often resulted in further sinful acts by, by, by us on our parts. But when grace reigns in us, once we're saved and grace reigns in our, in our bodies, troubles are a means of sanctifying us and the means by which graces are strengthened, resulting in our holiness. Christ's uh, cross cast into the waters of affliction makes them wholesome and a great means of grace and holiness. In Exodus chapter 15, we read, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. A tree? Jesus was crucified on a tree, right? On a cross. He showed them a tree, and when he had cast in, which when he had cast into the waters... The waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there he proved them or tested them. You see, all the pain and suffering that his people experience, he sees first. And all our troubles and distresses are God's means to make us more and more like his son. We just read in Exodus the tree was cast into the bitter waters, and the bitter waters became what? Sweet. And we face troubles and trials in our life before we're saved, and they just further compound our lives, and we, we go deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. But when we're saved, the cross of Christ is cast into those waters. The cross of, of Christ uh, casts itself before our troubles, and those troubles no longer are bitter. And we are able to endure them because of the grace and strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8.29 For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. One by one, our old habits, our old friends, our old sins are purged away. And as they are purged, we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. 
So troubles, troubles are a part of our journey. They help us to gain a deeper sense of the vileness of sin as God sees it. Troubles are used by God to discipline and correct his children. A lot I want to say right there, but I'm going to avoid that for right now. Come back to it another time. As such, we don't despise the troubles. Turn with me now. Let's go now to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll begin in verse 3. This passage of scripture is referring to the father's chastening of his children. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of, them, of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastenings, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of the righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Oh, I can, I tell you, I can relate to that, to verse 11, because the trials and troubles of that journey didn't seem very pleasant at the time. And by the way, the bad news was we had to take the journey back. I couldn't talk her into flying, and I couldn't leave Dave's car back there, right? This journey we're on, though, we don't have to come back. We get to stay for all eternity. Troubles help us to rely less and less on created things for our comfort and to rejoice more in the things of Christ. Galatians 6.14, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Troubles help us to forsake our lusts or our corrupt desires in our life. We're delivered more and more from the pollutions of sin and are made more and more holy as he is holy. Troubles are God's ways of drowning out from us or drawing out from us all the graces of the Spirit in order that we may be constantly and diligently living and walking in the Spirit. This purging of sin is essential to our growth as God's children, and it leads us to live as mature children of God. You know, when I was raising my children, I disciplined them. I, 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 I didn't care what the world thought. Now, I never beat my child, never beat one of my children in their life, but I did discipline them. And I taught them this. I said, someone, there's two types of discipline. There's imposed discipline, 
and there's acquired discipline. Imposed discipline is your parents imposing discipline. Acquired discipline is you learn along the way and start disciplining yourself. And by the way, if you don't discipline your children, someday the law will discipline them for you. So let's just take that for what it's worth. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. We will not arrive at our destination without passing through these fires. But we rest assured that these fires do not destroy us. In Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22, we read, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. Listen, God doesn't put us through tests and trials to, to consume us, but to refine us like a refining fire, to remove away the draws, to purge away the sin in our life, that we may come through the other side in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So first, we reach our journey through the purging of sin, but then secondly... We reach our journey through the pathway of suffering. Through the pathway of suffering. Now this might sound similar, but it's not. Through the pathway of suffering. Let's go now to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, and we're going to go to chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll read verses 10 through 12. We read here, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer, what's that next word? Persecution. All that live godly shall suffer persecution. Christians are not immune to suffering. God has promised us many things. But he has not promised us immunity from suffering in this life. In Psalm 34 we read, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Suffering will be a reality for us in one form or another until Jesus returns. Our faith in the goodness of God may be tested through sufferings. And our response to suffering in this life have the potential to make us or break us. Now, we already just saw that all that live godly shall suffer persecution. So we are going to face suffering. If you're not, if you're not going through troubles right now in your Christian life, um, then it means you either just came through some suffering a while back or you're about to go into suffering. 
Because those are the three phases of suffering in the life of the Christian. So prepare yourself. But when, when trouble comes, when, when suffering comes, how should we respond? I'm going to give you three quick thoughts. First, repent of sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, sometimes we suffer not because of our sins, but most of the time we have trouble because we messed up. And when trouble comes, stop and look at your life and say, what have I done? And if the Holy Spirit reveals something to you, then repent of that sin. By the way, we will not confess. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, let me just say this. We will not confess unless we first repent. To repent means to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. We will not be willing to confess guilt until we have remorse or regret over our actions. Repentance is to be brokenhearted about our sin. And when we realize that we have sinned against God, we should immediately repent and confess that sin. And then God will forgive us and cleanse us. Psalm 51, verse 17, this psalm was written by David. And it was written after he committed sin with Bathsheba. And after the child of his died, when, when the prophet Samuel came to him and pointed his finger at David and said, Thou art the man. And David wrote a psalm of repentance. And in verse 17, this is what David wrote. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. You know what we need in America today? We need a good old-fashioned dose of repentance. There's a lot of people running around having committed things against, and I'm talking about Christian people, running around having sinned before God and not repentant at all. And until we get that right, we're not going to confess because if we go to God and we try to confess about something, but we have no remorse for doing it, it don't work. Pardon my English. We must repent. But what else do we do when trouble comes to our life? Secondly, we rejoice. Yeah, we rejoice. Matthew chapter 5, we read, Blessed are they which are persecuted and right for righteousness. Sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now, rejoicing in times of suffering doesn't seem to make too much sense, does it? But this is exactly what we're admonished to do. We are to rejoice. Not because we are suffering. Rather, because our suffering is due to our kinship with Christ. Did, did anybody get that? We rejoice because we are God's children. And suffering comes to us. We don't rejoice because we get to suffer. Oh boy, I get to suffer today. No, I don't want to suffer. 
I prefer not to suffer. I really do. Matter of fact, I pray, Lord, is it possible I can have a day without suffering? I, I, I'd like that, Lord. I'd enjoy that. But we rejoice. I lost my place. Oh, here we are. A mother rejoices at the birth of her child, right? Huh? Was she rejoicing very much while she was having that child? Whew. I didn't even go I didn't even go in the delivery room. My daddy my daddy said there's two places a man has no business being. One is a beauty shop. The other is a delivery room unless he's a doctor. And I obey my dad. I did. Who? Listen, the labor room was enough for me. My wife almost pulled my arm off. But she loved it so much, she did it two more times. No. She loved her child. She loved her children. And, and you know what? Right after the baby's born and that child is laid in the mother's arms, she forgets all about the suffering. Because the suffering wasn't anything, the, 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 the end was worth the suffering. That's what she said. I don't know. I, I've never delivered a child, so I don't know. Our journey to our destination, heaven, will take us down the road of persecution and suffering. And we do not rejoice because we suffered, but we do rejoice because of the destination. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm doing well. It's only, it's only noon. We're doing good. You're doing good. You're turning well. You're listening well. We should get through this quick. <coughs> 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us against unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Amen. I could preach for 10 years from that passage of scripture. We rejoice. We rejoice. Despite the suffering, we rejoice. Because heaven is our home. And we are with God for all eternity. So, we repent, we rejoice, and then, then we, we resolve. We resolve. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Daniel resolved. He purposed in his heart. He was determined that he was not going to sin. Resolve is firm determination. 
when persecution and suffering arise, determined to trust, honor, and obey the Lord. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be, look at this, like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Determination, resolve, like a tree. It takes a lot to bring down a tree. Trees don't just topple and fall. Standing firm upon the Lord, planted deep within God's word, and the knowledge of our destination gives us a resolve. A couple of times, my kids wanted to stop halfway to Louisiana and turn around and come back. But I was determined. I, was re I had a resolve to go see my parents. I knew that the end of the journey was worth the trip. Now, it'd be a lot better to let fly the friendly skies, but we drove the barren streets. I don't know. It gives us a determination to stay the path, even in the face of despair and suffering. We reach our destination through the purging of sin, through the pathways of suffering. And then lastly this morning, we reach our destination through the promise of salvation. I'm going to ask you to turn again, this time to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And by the way, this is the last time I'm going to ask you to turn to the scripture today. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And let's go to verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction. Do you see that? Of the gospel according to the power of God, <clears throat> who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Notice the admonitions that Paul gave Timothy in that passage. He said, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. <laughs> Listen, don't be ashamed about being a Christian. Don't be, don't be ashamed of it. You know what? On your job, just let everybody know you're a Christian. And if you do, they're going to leave you alone. They're going to avoid you. You'll have a, you'll have a good day. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed uh, in your neighborhood. Your neighbor. Do your neighbors know you're a believer? Do they know you're a Christian? Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to be a child of God. But then he also said, be thou partaker of the afflictions. Listen, you can't be partaker of the afflictions unless you're involved. So you, you ought to get involved in your church. Amen? You ought to be involved in church. And uh, you ought to get busy. Get over here and find something to do. I miss John. 
John used to, where, where's um, Bob and Bronwyn? You guys used to bring John, and John would jump out of your car. He didn't, he didn't crawl. He'd jump out of your car, and he'd come, he'd come into this auditorium, and he'd start. And he'd get in here, and he'd uncover the instruments, and he'd, he'd wipe them down, and he'd run over here, and he'd, he'd, he'd go turn those lights on over there, and he'd do all, he did all these things. John looked forward to being in the house of the Lord and, and, and working. He was here last week. I rejoice in that. But John can't be here all the time anymore because of his health. But be thou partaker. And then he noted that we are called according to God's purpose and grace. We're not here today because of ourselves. We're here today because God has called us here. He has a purpose in us being here. And he's given us the grace to live the life he wants us to live. We can't, we can't live this life without him. We wouldn't even try, by the way, were it not for the Lord. All of this is because of the promise of our salvation. In verse 12, we, we read it. In 1 John chapter 2, we read this. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. I was speaking with Tabor this morning, and I mentioned this. I've seen hundreds of Christians overcome by the journey over the past 39 years. <clears throat> Crumbling under the pressure of the purging of sin. Becoming overwhelmed on the pathways of suffering and losing sight of the promise of salvation. While preparing this message, I thought back and I can still see many of their faces today. I walked alongside them. I served the Lord by their side. I prayed with them. I labored with them, building bus routes and Witnessing to lost souls. Went to Bible conferences together with them. But they gave up. They quit. Because they took their eyes off the destination. And they weighed the cost of the journey. And they were not willing to pay that cost. I read this verse earlier, Romans 8.18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That trip that my family and I took was the most miserable trip we've ever taken. 
I mean miserable. I finally reached a point on the, on the, on the, on, on the trip home, my wife and daughter wouldn't let me drive. They drove the whole trip because they didn't want to sit on that seat in the back. I'm serious. They didn't want to sit on that seat. I rode that whole trip, 42 hours. I mean, I was, I, I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to be paralyzed. I, I really, I thought I'll, I'll never walk again. They're going to have to drag me out of this car. That was the most miserable, miserable trip I ever took. But you know, my mother's gone now. I buried her this year in February. I'd give anything to be able to take a trip again and see her. You see, the destination is worth the journey. The things we might have to give up in this life to honor God, to glorify God, the things we might have to lay aside, the things that we, we might have to endure. Listen, when we reach heaven, and we look into the eyes of Jesus. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We won't remember the troubles. Forget, what troubles? What problems? I implore us today. Jesus did not promise us a pleasant journey. But he did promise us a heavenly destination. Don't forget this each day. Tomorrow, when trouble, when, when a problem comes up tomorrow, don't forget. Don't forget this. When, you're, when your faith is tried and tested, when you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you're tempted to do something wrong, don't forget this. Don't forget the cost to pay, the price we pay for the journey. It's worth it. It's worth the destination. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.